Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Previously on learning, um, we were talking about the Rascal Wagner um, model, and we were talking about the overexpectation effect. And I want to go over this again because this is a pretty key experiment. So, the idea here, and remember, the model itself, the Rascal Wagner model is additive, right? So, we have two groups in these overexpectations. This is—I'm not going to give you a reference on this. This is just an overexpectation experiment. This is how they work. An experimental group and a control group. Now, number of pairings is always seen as the key thing in classical conditioning up until, well, Kanan blocking and then the Rascola Wagner model. So, we've got two groups. We've got the experimental group and we have the control group, right? This is a pointer. I wonder if I can use it. That would be exciting. Yeah, just look right at the laser. <laughs> it's your best bet. Because it's good, because it's not like, you know, my eyes are screwed up enough as it is. Oh, well. Oh, oh, I saw him, I saw him light. I'm screwing, I'm screwing around. Um, experimental group, control group. In phase one, both are getting light predicts a U.S. and tone predicts a U.S. Now, these are separate presentations. They're not a compound signals. Let's pretend that it's not. They're usually actually CR experiments, but let's pretend this is a food pellet thing. And that's that each US is five food pellets. Let's pretend. It's a little easier to get your head around it when you think it's five food pellets. Okay? So the US is going to be five food pellets. These food pellets, by the way, they're little things made by a company called Noise, N O Y E S. You might see that when you're reading your papers for your. For your paper, uh, they're made. They're forty-five milligrams. They're just they're rat food. That's what you feed them in the in the, in the cage uh, or in the experiment in the cage. You feed, you feed them actually pure in a rat chow, which you probably think is not true, but it's true. Um, so let's say light five food pellets, tone five food pellets. So you train them up to a point now. Where they're, they're, they're responding, again, we're trying to think of this as food pellets just to make the math, make, make the thinking about it a little easier. I don't know what the, what the response is. Amount of time spent by the feeder, perhaps. Control group gets nothing in phase two. Um, experimental group gets a light tone compound, light tone at the same time. Remember, before they're getting light five food pellets, tone five food pellets. Tone five food pellets. Now they're getting light tone compound, same time, and five food pellets. Now, you test them with the light of the tone, the light of the tone, light alone or tone alone. Tone alone, of course, again, a fine movie by, with Macaulay Culkin, and which I believe eventually led him to become a heroin addict if you've seen him in the last 10 years. He looks rough, eh? You ever know, with the kids, child, child stars, two, two results, right? One result is they become, well, three, really. The, the, the happy adults that leave acting and have some money in their pocket. Those are the ones I like. 
Then he's like, becomes a, an adult star, right? Like an actual movie star. Uh, Drew Barrymore was like that. She was in E.T. She was also an alcoholic at seven. Um, but at least she's, you know. And then there's the ones that almost all of the rest of them. Whenever I see a kid on TV, I think, I wonder what you're, are you going to rob a bank in 10 years, be in a porno <laughs> movie while robbing a bank? <laughs> it's sad. And, and, and you're strung out on heroin, right? Like it's, it's really depressing to me. Anyway, let alone total, what it happens here, here they respond like they would get ten food, uh, like, uh, five food pills. Here they respond less. They've got more pairings, they respond less. Why is that? Well, Light predicts five, tone predicts five. Light and tone should predict ten. Ten food pellets, but they only get five. So you actually end up getting some inhibition here. So you get a weaker CR. With more pairings, you get a weaker CR. Okay. And like I said, typically these experiments are actually done with it's CER, but let's, let's pretend that it's with food pellets. Because then we don't have to worry about less responding, meaning more learning. This is neat and ex exceedingly counterintuitive. This makes no sense at all, actually. From the traditional view of learning, this makes no sense at all. Classical condition. This doesn't even this doesn't even remotely make any sense, does it? However, from the Rascola-Wagner model idea of an additive model and prediction and surprise, it makes complete sense. They expect ten here because light equals five, tone equals five, light and tone should equal ten. Why am I getting five? I'm getting screwed. Okay? Questions? That's where we were last time, but I want to make sure you understand these over-expectation experiments. And this is one, this was an, uh, when people first saw the Schwerle-Wagner model, they said, well, <laughs> this would happen, and there's no way that's going to happen, and they tested it, and that's exactly what happens. Which, I love things like that. You stupid kids and your mathematical model. No, they're smarter than you. Pretty cool. Okay, so let's look at the actual model. This is where we were last time, but now let's look at the model itself. Okay, that looks hard unless you realize it says the change, that's a delta, change in a number equals some number times a difference. In other words, this is arithmetic you could have done a long time ago. This isn't even remotely algebra. Okay, so what do all these things mean? Uh, the I is the CS. Okay. Uh, the J is the US. That's the two subscripts. S is the salience. Okay, S is the salience. That's how bright a light is, how loud a tone is. A is the value of the U.S. The value of the U.S., you know what we usually set that at? A hundred. It makes math easy. Because these numbers are going to be theoretical, right? So let's just, we'll call it a hundred. V is 
the amount of conditioning. Or the we call it associative strength, is something else you'll hear said. So what we have here, the change in the amount of conditioning to the CS. Okay, that's what that means. Delta, you don't need to learn that in school, right? The delta means change. So the change, remember it's done trial by trial. So the change in the amount of learning, again, the change in the amount of learning to the CS equals the salience of the CS times the value of the US minus the total amount of learning. That's why it says V sum. Okay? Minus the total amount of learning. This is why I said it's a mathematical model of surprise. On the first trial, what's my V sum? Zero. I don't expect anything. I don't have, I've learned nothing. I don't know anything yet. And you give me 100% of a US, that's what A is. Whoa, that's a lot. I'm surprised. And then we multiply that times how bright the light is or how loud the tone is. Now, these are obviously hypothetical quantities. And this is going to range between 0 and 1. Salience. 1 is the brightest possible light the animal can perceive, or the loudest possible tone, without it, you know, blowing it up. We typically set A at 100 just because it's 100% of, of the US, but you, you could use 11 if you wanted to. It just makes, the, it makes graphing it fun. It doesn't make graphing it very fun if you're working these things out. It's kind of annoying. And the rest of the stuff just falls out of that. You calculate this. It's the total amount of learning from each trial and each trial before it. Um, this, you said, it's arbitrary. I would always... Now, there, now, you may have questions like this on a test. Or the final exam. Right? Let me give you some score of the wagon. I would say, an S equals this. Of course. I would always tell you what to set things at. So in other words, if you can fill in a simple thing like that and do it, it's better if you can actually do that and understand it. But this is not hard. I'm trying to tell you it's not hard because I had real trouble with this in school. And I don't understand how I had so much trouble. I really don't get the problem I had. And the problem I had also, by the way, I was a PhD too. I don't understand how I couldn't do arithmetic. I could do matrix freaking algebra to do multiple regression, but I couldn't do this. I got some kind of block. I didn't understand it. That's why I just spent a lot of time trying to explain this to you because I figured if I was a 24-year-old PhD student and didn't understand this, I think you have tr- might have some trouble. So I want to make sure you get it. I'm also trying to tell you, if you don't get it, don't feel bad. Just that means you're like me, which is kind of scary. <laughs> Because we need fewer people like me, not more. I think I told you I got half out of 20 on the test in the question about the risk of the wagon model. That was a grad school. Half out of 20. And she was doing that just to be mean. 
She should have given me zero. I think she was like, it's like giving somebody a, a nickel tip. That, maybe not. At the time, it felt like that, though. And it was my supervisor, my PhD supervisor, too, so it was doubly horrible. So again, the change in learning, we're, we're going to calculate this every single trial, we calculate this. It's a trial by trial thing. The whole damn learning curve doesn't fall out of one solution to this. You've got to do it for trial one, then do it for trial two, then do it for trial three. I think that's part of where I screwed up. I have the test somewhere in my office. I'll have to... I have all my old tests. You can't... If you ever, if you ever think, anybody thinking of becoming an academic, keep all your old tests. Sometimes profs have good questions and you can use them. Some of the questions you guys write use in some of my classes are actually from other people. Right? Just letting you know. Fair game. Change in learning equals the salience, how bright the light is, how loud the tone is. How did I not understand that? Salience, brightness, loudness. It's easy. It can range between 0 and 1. You could make it 0 to 100 if you want, but typically we go 0 and 1. This probably can't be a negative number, can it? Because it can't be less than what the animal can perceive. Unless the animal's psychic. Uh-huh. Eh? Ghost hunters? Paranormal activity? All that stuff? That's all bullshit. There's not, that doesn't happen. So, goes between <laughs> zero and one. This is the value of the U.S. I'll set it at 100 because 100%. And then this is how much total learning we have. I'll work through a few examples in a second. Okay? And again, it's all hypothetical. You probably could, in certain cases, use real values, but it doesn't help you in any way. Okay, questions so far? Okay, I'm going to work through a couple of these. Okay, here's an example. Okay, let's say a food pellet is 100. It's 100% of the U.S. the animal's going to get, so we'll call it 100. I, it just makes the math a little easier, and I think the, using 100 is like 100%, I think, with me, it helps me visualize what's going on when I'm, when I'm sort of doing the math. Okay, let's say we're going to have a light present uh, as, as the CS for a food pellet, and we're going to say the salience is 0.2. Remember, 1 would be, the, be the, the, the brightest light the animal could perceive. 0 would be something it can't perceive. So 0.2. That sounds like a pretty bright light. Right. Now, at the start of the experiment, V sum equals 0. Because there's no conditioning yet, I should be closing the parentheses there. So V sum is going to equal 0 at the beginning. The total amount of learning is nothing, and the animal doesn't know it again. Right? It will, for we shall teach it. That light predicts food pets. But right now the animal doesn't know that. You okay so far? All I've done is I've just given value. In fact, well, the only one I've given value to for the food pellet is 100. And frankly, that's what we almost always use. I said that's point two. V sum always equals zero at the start if the animal's naive. It could be the case that the animal could have learned something in another just as previously, and then it wouldn't be zero. Okay. Okay. 
So now we're just going to work it out. So trial one. Delta V sub I equals S sub I times uh, A sub J minus V sum. Point two, 100 minus zero. I hope you can all do that one without a calculator. I know it's a takeaway, not a plus. But 100 minus zero is 100 times point. It's 20. What does 20 mean? It's 20 learnings. <laughs> it isn't really a thing. It's 20% of the associated strength available. You could go with that. So that's the first trial. That was easy, right? You get all the values and you put them in this. Trial two. This is when it gets hard. Because 20 goes in here now. Why is V sum 20? The total amount of learning that the animal is 20. It now expects 20% of 100. It gets 100%. Point 0.2 times 80 is 16. I don't think this brush is working very well. Okay, now for the third trial, oh look, now it's 36. Where did you get that from? 20 on the first trial, 16 on the second trial. 20 and 16 is 36. That's all it is. So we got, now it's 12.8. We could actually graph it. Two, three, four, five, five, five in. So the first, let's see, so that's 50. That's 100. Okay. On the first trial, got to 20, right? Which is uh, there. On the second trial, 36. Uh, okay, now, 36, now what's it at? 36 and 12.8 is 40. 8.8, right? That's actually right there. Okay, now we're at 48.8. I don't think I did the next one, so we'll have to work this one out. This will be fun. Okay. Yeah, because it just says, and so on. So now, math? All right. So what do we got? Uh, delta V equals S minus V sum. So that equals 0.2 times 100 minus 48.8, which equals 0.2 times 52.2, yeah? Right? Yeah. So that equals. That's wrong. Is that right? 12.836, yeah, I guess that is right. So So it's going to be, what's that? Well, point 0.1 of 52.2 would be 0 0.522, 10.44. Is that right? Yeah. 51.2. 51.2, that's fine. I thought that looked wrong. So that means this is no longer that. 51.2. 
So that would be 5.12, which is 10.24. Okay. So then we get 10.24 to add on to that. We have 48.8 and 10.24. So we get 4.0 carry the 1, 9. 4 on 1 is 5. 51.5. So that's this trial here. There. Okay. So 59.05 is what we got to do the final one. So now we got it's 0.2 times 100 minus 59.05, which equals 0.2 times 40.95. Is that correct? That's one. Yeah, 40.95. So that's now going to equal 4.095, which is 8.1. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we got that. We're going to add that onto here. Uh, let's see. 9 times 14, 1, 1 is 2. And 17, 1, 67, 14, 4. Notice how it's going like this. Oops, I didn't follow the dots very well, but see what's going on? You see how it's the most learning to the beginning and then it's starting to flatten out, isn't it? It's pretty neat. It's actually quite cool, right? It's pretty cool. And of course, I'm also doing a better job making these dots. Not bad. That's what a learning curve looks like. It's beautiful. that out added for that ad nauseum. In fact, if you had any skill at all with Excel or Google Docs or something like that, like Google Spreadsheets, you could write a very simple thing in Google Docs or something to do that. Yep. So the higher the number, the more learning, or is that amazing? Yeah. The higher number of what? Like of the, of the equation, like what you get from the equation. I don't, uh, yes, yes, that's exactly what that means. So that's, this is, so the, the more learning that happens, or the more associative strength is taken up. People, you'll also see say that. But yeah, the higher the number, the more learning has happened. That's why I said that you know what you get at the end. What's the unit? It's learnings. It's Pavlovs. Let's call them Pavlovs. Um, or the scoreless. That's a fair wagon, really. So if you kept doing it over and over, would you eventually get just the same number? Of you would eventually get so small you hit it. You hit asymptote. What would happen again? Um, not a lot of people here taking any math. Yeah, because if you took the limit of this as the trials approach infinity, it's going to get flat. It has to, because it's going to be less, the, the, the difference between uh, this, between this and this is going to get smaller and smaller. Right? And eventually it's going to be zero. I, oh, at an infinite number, as trials approaches infinity, a, minus, uh, a sub i minus v sum equals zero. If that 
helps you at all. Does that make any? They see, you can see though how the more you go on, the less and less that difference becomes because the animal is less and less surprised. The surprise parts in here, in the parentheses. All right. Other questions? Good question. Because that, that's one of the hardest things to think about here is that these values are all theoretical, right? Like, 100, we, we arbitrarily set that. We could set it at 92 or 61 or whatever that crazy you want to. I shouldn't have said that. Whatever the hell you want to. I shouldn't have said that for some really sensitive people, but I'm going to say hell anyway. Um, and if I offended people with the Lord's name and such, sorry. wasn't my intention. Uh, I don't want to offend anybody. I know it seems like I probably want to offend everybody, but I really want to be nice to everybody. Um, so he's on Salience between 0 and 1 because, it, again, we could go to 0 to 100. It just makes the math easier, and it's a little bit easier to follow, at least for me as, as well. Uh, and this just fall, falls out of it, if you sum. This falls out of it. Like, it just happens because of the calculations. The hardest part is actually keeping, to me, literally, the hardest part is keeping track of, oh, make sure you've put this in every time and you've calculated it correctly. In other words, the hardest part is the adding. Mathematically, this is not hard. I think conceptually it's hard, but I think that's where I have trouble with it. I think. It could also be because I really, really didn't care. I should have cared, but I don't think I did. I just think I... I was disillusioned with um, learning about classical conditioning when I was doing stuff on memory and these chickadees and stuff, which is stupid because I should have known this stuff too. It's the first time you learned this in grad school? No. I learned it as an undergrad and screwed it up there too. Yeah. But I was, I was able to somehow do it okay on a test when I was an undergrad. I don't know what I did, and it was worth very little. The first time we really dealt with this, well, the first time I dealt with it in, in, in great detail was graduate school. Um, and we dealt with a more complicated... This is the simplest version. This, this can get more complicated, but it's not a lot more complicated. There's one more parameter here. Like, it's not that bad. It's actually a better model, that one. But, no, we, we had it as undergrad. But I... I um, my learning course was a second-year class. And I don't think... Like there were a lot of questions on these tests. It wasn't like my test. There'd be like 35 questions on a test, and they'd be all short answer, and you go, okay, that's over five. I'll screw that up. Because I really well at learning class. But, yeah, no, no. It's, this, this, that, it's not like I'm doing something you wouldn't do. It was on the ground. Because really, this is easy. I mean, it's simple arithmetic. It's conceptually where it starts. It's kind of like stats, right? When you think about statistics, it's really simple arithmetic. The math in statistics is easy. The math behind it is beautiful, hard, and elegant, but that's beside the point. The math that you do, the t equals x bar minus v over s divided by square root of n, that's, a monkey can do that. A half-trained monkey. It's knowing what that means that's the hard part. Right? Same thing, I think, here. I think I'm getting a touch of that Ebola. It's going around, you know? I think my organs are liquefied. People are stupid, right? It's going ape shit. Three people have Ebola in North America. Everybody run! Another caregiver got it now. Yeah, you know what? Don't lick people that have Ebola and you'll be fine. Don't touch them. 
No, really, that's how you get it. It's not airborne. No. You know? Oh, people are stupid. I'm not saying they could have been prevented. I'm saying that it's not coming here. You know, it's like on, on, on September 11th, 2001, and then, and then there were the anthrax attacks a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. And then Memorial University Newfoundland campus in Quarterbrook was closed because someone found a suspicious white powder. And they were saying to the cl- class tonight, that night when it was reopened because they found it was a urinal cake. Um, <laughs> I said, like, what gives you, they said, who, who's been attacked with the anthrax, right? Let's see. Head of ABC News, head of CBS News, Senate Majority Leader, Senate Minority Leader, and Sir Wilfred Grenfell College of Merle University of Newfoundland gives you people the ego. You know, Osama doesn't even know where Cornerbrook is. It's the same thing with this. It's not coming here. Don't be afraid. Okay. That's uh, just the... There's stuff to be afraid of. I think I'm running a temperature already. Yeah. <laughs> you can get it just by saying the word Ebola. You can catch Ebola. Just remember that. Zombie apocalypse is coming. You mean it's not already here? Well, depends where you live. Like, if you're in Liberia. Now, if you're living in Liberia, I'd be kind of scared right now. I wouldn't be going out and, again, licking people with Ebola. And touching them. <coughs> no. Oops, I lost my wife. And as you can see, there's less and less conditioning as time goes by. There's less and less as time goes by. Maybe you don't think it's cool, but it's my class. I think it's cool, so it's cool. Any questions so far on this? You've asked a couple, and that's fine, but any others? Okay. So, what about overshadowing? Overshadowing is when you have compound stimulus, like a light and tone together. It could be two lights, and you know, it could be four lights. There are four lights. Nobody? Star Trek? No? Um, Chain of Command, great two parter episode. Picard's being tortured. Anyway, sad really they don't get those jokes though, because that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> so you got. Let's say you got two lights, you got a light and a tone. I think I used light and tone here, light and noise. Um, we got a light and a noise, so we're going to have a, a together, same time, light and noise. By the way, the light, what's this say? <laughs> this, the salience of the noise is 0.5, the salience of the light is 0.2. This says that this noise is two and a half times louder than that light is bright. I know that's a little strange way to think, but okay. I have a question. Please, if if one is measured in lumens and the other one is measured in decibels, how yeah. do you know it's because the, two and a half times? Because these are completely theoretical values. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, there's no real rhyme or reason. Well, no, it's not so much that. I mean, it, it would certainly be the case that. We could theoretically talk about the amount of um, perceptual resources the animal's using. 
Okay. And it's, it's going to have a, it's going to have a finite amount of perceptual resources. There's there's no we, we wouldn't argue nothing anybody argue with that. So that's kind of how we're looking at this rather than saying and but you can look at it as one is in this case two and a half times louder than this is bright. It's a strange way to look at it, but that's actually what's going on here. So we got two CSs in this case. Um, all right. So we got two calculations per trial. Oops, now it goes back. Well, that's just great. Don't worry. Don't worry. I won't allow that to happen. Okay. So for the light, let's, this is trial one. For the light, we go 0.2 times 100 minus 1. That's 20. And the other one's 50. Okay, for the noise. Uh -huh. I know that no, no, no. that means that somewhere in this building there's an Xbox connected. <laughs> no, it does because that's 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 a I have a thing that I can stream movies from my computer to my Xbox because it's a piece of software I have and it makes that noise and discovers an Xbox. Huh. Oh, good. <laughs> so on the network in this building someone has an Xbox. Well, we got two at the, the site department, so that's okay. So you see, we have to, because it's an additive model, we do two sets of calculations. One for each stimulus. You with me so far on the overshadowing? Okay, oh, now this is where it gets weird. This is where, again, people make mistakes. It's 70 for both of them. 50 and 20. 50 and 20. Because it's totally what the animal expects what it's learned, how much associated strength has been taken up. So, do you see that? So now on the next trial, it wouldn't be 70, it would be uh, 650, 21, 91. Be 91. Okay? But you can see there's always a, um, in this case, because the ratio of this is two and a half to this, of, of noise is two and a half, five to two, point five to point, point two, it's always two and a half times. We're always going to get two and a half times more learning to the noise than we are to the light. Which is look, just what happened here. 15 to 6. 15 is two and a half. Two and a half times 6 is 15. Two and a half times 20 is 50, like we had in the first trial. And it's always going to be that way. One of the ways you can kind of check your work if you ever working on one of these things is you can see that, like, like say with overshadowing, you can always see that it should always be in that proportion. It can't not be. If it's not, you've done the math wrong. You just, well, I shouldn't even call it math. You've done the arithmetic wrong. Okay, questions? One of the things I'd like you to do for next time, and I'm not going to mark it or anything, if you could work, pull this out to about five more trials 
Or five trials in total. We've done two, so just do three more. Just so you, they get used to working with it, and we can kind of take it up. I'm not done yet, but I'm just saying that's something, if you could do that for the overshadowing example, right here, we've gone two trials, do at least three more. Do at least three more. Just, just to practice it. Because I want you to get, uh, get used to using it a little bit. And then I will call on one of you to come up to the board. I'm kidding. It's not great for it. Okay. Ooh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But if you, if you could do that, just because it's going to take you 10 minutes just with a calculator. Okay? Because I just want you to get used to using this because it's something. This is going to show up at some point on a test somewhere. It's bound to. Right? How could I not? It's something that has a completely objective right and wrong answer. It's my favorite kind of test question. I don't have to make any judgments whatsoever. I love those. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So what's the definition of overshadowing? Overshadowing is when we have a compound stimulus and there's more learning to one stimulus than to the other. And it's usually, to, and it is always, to the more salient stimulus. There isn't a way that we can put those two formulas together and come up with one. I don't think so, because I mean, this, the model itself, one of the assumptions is that it's a purely additive model. That, so there's really no way I don't think you can. I can certainly think of a case, I don't know. Well, you could use three different lights. You could have, you could have overshadowing with three or four stimuli. You can certainly do that. I don't know if you like that. Um, this has been a pretty successful model as far as it's, uh, it's spawned a lot of research, but also it's still very influential today. I mean, it's got to the point now where people are describing much more complicated things using something like the viscorla Wagner model, which is quite neat. All right, other questions? You guys seem to be doing okay. This is good. The break, I think, helped. Don't you think? Don't you think we need a longer break? Yeah. Okay. We used to have a, a, a October break. We were the only us, us, University of Ottawa and Laurentian were the only universities in Ontario that had it up to the nineties. It started with rainy days. Um, Initially, that was the purpose of it. No, it wasn't because it was before then. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It was something. It's traditional in uh, French-speaking universities have a reading week in the fall. So all the French-speaking universities in Quebec had them, and because Laurentian and Ottawa had French-speaking programming, and they had students from Quebec, they did it that way, and we were part of the Laurentian system, then we dropped ours. But it was simultaneous. It was, it was, around, it was around the 1970s. Not here. I'm pretty sure it was. I was, taking because, course, I was taking courses here in the 70s, and it wasn't here. Okay, well, then it was into the, <laughs> into, into the 80s. I was... And it wasn't rate aids because I was paid during those, those... I was taking courses here in the 90s and it wasn't here. Well, I was teaching here in the 90s and it wasn't. Well, late 90s. Uh, 96 to 98, yeah. and uh, I was paid, so it wasn't rate aids. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was being paid. I was being paid exceedingly poorly, but I was, I was being paid. Um, my God, I can't believe we even lived in the amount of money I made. But we need to hold a long break this week. All right, what about blocking? Okay, well, remember what blocking is? Blocking is when we have a lot of exposure to... Where did the marker go? Uh, blocking is when we get 
so the experiment works like this. We've got the blocking group, the blocking group, and the control group. So the blocking group gets uh, light. These guys get nothing. And you get light tone. These guys get light tone. And then we test with tone. These guys show CR. These guys show no CR. Well, why is that? Well, we can just think about this. If, think about it from a scroll wagon perspective. Right? Think about it from a scroll wagon perspective. What's the scroll wagon model say? It says all of the V, when we start doing the calculations for, the, for this, for the compound stimulus, what's V sum at? Well, it's greater than zero. It's greater than zero. And if it's greater than zero, we get less learning. So that means the delta V here is going to be higher in this group to begin with for here than it is in this group. Right? And if the delta V is higher, greater than zero, that means there's going to be a little less, there's going to be less learning per trial about the light and about the tone. And about the tone. Majority of Ontario universities now have a fall reading week, just saying. <laughs> uh, there's a Laurier or Waterloo testing out a three they have a three year test program right now where they're having it. I'm for it. Two days off is not enough to get relaxed, it's just enough to feel like you're almost relaxed and you're back. And then people say, well, we can't do that because then there'll be three more days we've talked attack into the beginning of the end of the year. Oh. <laughs> I'd rather have a whole week, thank you. Just saying. And you make it during the, the what's his name, the Thanksgiving, because you got that one, you already got that day. So you're really only adding to it because we have Founder's Day. I don't know. Did you all have a good Founder's Day yesterday? <laughs> I don't know, my Founder's Day meal, I was stuffed. Around the Founder's Day tree, Founder's Day claws brought presents. I Founder's Day claws, he comes with a, he's got a, he comes with a toboggan pulled by a magic dragon. Starts this mythology with it. There's no strength left. There's no, there's no, it's all used up. The associate strength, the amount of learning, it's used up. And you can think about this. If we did a lot of trials here, this thing's approaching zero. It's approaching zero. So how can there be, or sorry, V-sum, right, is approaching zero. So if we start with, or approaching 100, ugh, minus, oh, I don't know, 99.9. What, what learning is going to happen to that tone? Very freaking little. There should be some, but to the point where it's so small it doesn't matter. It's so small it doesn't matter. The law of diminishing return. It's sort of like that, yeah. yeah. And again, so you look at it from the Rescola Wagner model perspective and say there's just no. Strength left, or all the associate strength is used up. Or you can just look, and again, you just look at blocking. 
from the idea of, and this is again a squirrel idea of looking at predict predictive value. What's the predictive value of the tone? The extra predictive value, if you want to think of it in economic terms, the you know marginal blah blah whatever the hell. I've been taking economics since 1983 or 82, 82, 83. Um, high school. None. I can already predict it with the, with with the. Uh, with the light, I don't need your tone. Your tone's irrelevant, it's ridiculous. It's egregious, outrageous, ridiculous. That was a Seinfeld reference that none of you got. I don't care, because I'm allowed to include When I do things like that, I then send the audio to my friend Mike. He can lead to us, oh, that's great, you did that, he finds it funny. So, hi Mike, if you're listening. <laughs> A couple years ago, I sent him an argument I had with a student about vaccines and autism. That was a fun argument. <laughs> the whole class is going, I'm getting uncomfortable. And it wasn't about me. All right. What about conditioning inhibition? How the hell does that work? Well... The old CS, oh, still it up here, A minus, right? The animal's actually getting a lack of something. So now the V sum is a negative value. Ah. So it makes it take longer to learn. Remember, it's additive. So the reason this takes longer uh, this year, right? Why does it take longer? It takes longer because the A, A is the inhibitor, yeah, because A negative brings a, a negative associated strengthening. Beautiful. It's just, it's, it's really simple and additive and pretty. Like, this is actually, this is the way. You talk about good theories, right? And we evaluate the theory on how fruitful it is, how much, how well it predicts, um, uh, and explains data. So fruitful doesn't make a lot of research happen. That doesn't explain a lot of data. This is a really good theory that way. It explains a lot of data, um, and it's caused a lot of research. And a lot of new findings have been found because of it. Right? Because like, things like over-expectation people thought wouldn't happen, and it turns out they do happen. And it explains something nobody could explain, which was blocking. Okay, it's not perfect, though. It can't explain the CS pre-exposure effect, the idea of perceptual learning. It, it can't explain it. Which is when you just expose the animal to the CS by itself in another context... Right? I talked about that the other day, uh, last Monday. Right? It can't explain this, which is a shame because um, I've never, that's a hard thing to, I don't know why that happens. Does it, maybe, does that change the S? Does it change the salience of parameter? Yeah, maybe, but that's just, when you say, oh, I know what it does, it changes the value of that, that means you're just, oh, I can just tweak the numbers any way I want. That doesn't seem fair, Lucas. 
Because I don't think it's salience. I think it's a change in the attention yes. that the animal has between okay. stimulus, if you want to have, like, multiple... Yeah. Nick McIntosh, as a, as a version of this model, uh, the more complicated one I was talking about in grad school. Nick McIntosh, um, uh, where's Nick? Is it Oxford or Cambridge? One of those really important schools in the UK. Uh, he was at Dalhousie for a long time. Now it's going to bug me. I think he's at Oxford. Um, he's got this great, if you're actually interested in this stuff, he's got this great little book. It's about this thin. It's a book we had in graduate school for a whole year. It was this thick. A little bit dense. Called Conditioning and Associative Learning. And in his theory, he talks about S as an attention parameter. Now, the problem with that, and I think you're right, and I think Nick's right. Nick's smarter than both of us, so he's probably right. But the problem with this is that I'm just changing. I, I love mathematical stuff. I think math models are great, but I don't like when they have free parameters. I don't like when they have parameters like, well, I'll just move this one a little bit. No, look, now it works. I don't like that very much. I understand why. In fact, I, I, think, he's, I think we're probably right. You and I and Nick McIntosh. <laughs> one of these things doesn't belong. I think it's probably Nick. Because um, he has a you know, ridiculous accent. But I think it's quite true. Yeah, I, I, you're, I mean, that, that makes complete sense. There's, there's a couple other models. There's the Pierce Hall model that I really don't want to get into because it's really complicated. I'll say that it involves the animal making comparisons uh, between what it expects and what it gets. And there's a comparator in the model. So the animal observes something, a result, and then it's compared to what it remembers. And I don't want to get more complicated than that because it's, it is complicated. Um, I've talked about Randy Gallistel's model, which is basically just comparing conditional probabilities. So it's, not, it's, a, it's, it's actually a non-associative model of associative learning. That really, so is the Pierce Hall model. This is not. This is a purely associative model. It's got associative strength basically in it, which is the, the, the V parameter. Randy's model is a model that does a pretty decent job explaining classical conditioning, but it looks at conditional probabilities and compares them to what the animal's experiencing. And it's a little more complicated mathematically. It's not horrible. You can do it in about five lines of computer code, though. So that's not that bad. Some mathematical models are really hard and full of calculus. It's not bad. Okay. Questions about this stuff? Okay, so next time, if you could try that, that, that um, overshadowing thing, just work it out a little bit. Go maybe up to five trials and just see what you get. Just to get some practice. And we can go over it because I want to make sure you know how to do it properly. Thanks, guys. All right. Picture yourself lying like a switchblade. Heart doubled over in pain. You let your body overflow Hide your instinct good and deep As the world just goes to hell Throw my clothes out in the street Hang me on your wall, yeah Cause everyone
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.